Good, let's start. Father in heaven, we thank you for this day. We thank you that you've made it. You've brought us here this morning. You are talking to us, uh, helping us grow in uh, the practice of our faith and the practice of our joy. And we pray that you would do that uh, by teaching us something and then having our hearts be uh, uh, awakened and, and alerted and excited about you and that we'll go practice that together uh, in the worship service. Thanks for all this. In Jesus' name, amen. It's a little bit cold and wet this morning, uh, and I want us to think about this morning. We're gonna actually kind of tackle it in this this order. We're gonna start a little brainy. Obviously, there's a map of the tabernacle. That's a little heavy for this early in the morning, but we want that to move our hearts, and then we want to grow in our skills and understanding about how to uh, how to worship. And I think Scripture addresses the it in this. Um, this order. Let me just start maybe just asking uh, some questions. How many of you start a service on Sunday morning feeling like you aren't excited enough to sing? Have you guys ever related to that? You feel like your engine is cold? Um, so how should we warm up the engine? Uh, obviously it feels like a cold start. It's like trying to get only the uh, coffee. Is that what we said? We're helping the Holy Spirit by dousing ourselves in coffee. But a lot of us are thinking about, I can only really worship if my emotions are all jazzed up, right? So we're obviously kind of coming in stressed from driving or being late or being early, having things to do, responsibilities. So a lot of times we start right here. Like, I got to get... And so some churches do like, 45 minutes of worship and just to get people like music music, music. ah there's a difference uh, <coughs> doing worship music uh, to get our hearts ready and then we're ready to worship and then right as we get ready to worship a guy stands up and talks to us for 45 minutes we go shoot I just got warmed up like now we I gotta like sit and listen and be passive and all this kind of stuff so uh this is kind of where we're at just in our culture of worship and stuff like that is just, man, we got to get into it. But sometimes we're not into it. And so I want us to, to look at what God did with his people so that uh, we start to see how amazing and how wonderful uh, privileges we have. And that, that actually, by thinking about this and having it move our hearts, we're ready to start singing because we have a deeper reason than it's time to sing, you know? You don't have a choice. It's We start singing, and the leaders don't want to just do solos or a performance. Um, they want us to join in. So I'm calling a point one. When you realize where you are, you will sing a new song in a new way. And this is really nerdy, I know, to have a map of the tabernacle in here. But I wanted us to read through these verses and then look at the map and then realize how awesome uh, we have it. Um, uh, let's see. Wesley, can you read the first verse there? If his offspring is a burnt offering from the herd, he shall offer a meal without blemish. He shall bring it to the entrance of the tent of meeting, that he may be accepted before the Lord. So see where it says altar? There's an animal that's going to be burnt up, and the smoke goes up uh, to God. Uh, Clarence, you want to read Leviticus 1.9? And the priest shall burn... All of it on the altar as a burnt offering, a food offering with a 
Okay, let's see who can I pick on next. Meredith, can you read to like uh, four verses of Hebrews 10 down to 22? Melissa, can you read uh, 23 to 25? We've just done a huge tour from Leviticus to uh, Hebrews, but I want us to take a tour through the tabernacle for a second. <clears throat> so on this right-hand side is actually where the door is. Do you see it where it says Issachar? These are the 12 tribes of Israel, and they are allowed, they are uh, camped out around God who's camped out in the middle of his people. And if you look sometime at Leviticus 1.1, it calls this tabernacle a tent of meeting. What does that tell us about what God is up to with his people? He wants to meet with his people, right? Okay, let's think about it. When we talk about the holiness of God, and especially when we talk about Leviticus, it sometimes feels like we're trying to get through seven layers of security to get to someone famous. (laughs) Right? There's like seven big, hulking, you know, clean-shaven, chrome-domed guys with earpieces in their ears like, dude, this guy must be important because look at all the security, right? Most of us don't walk around with that much security. Why? We're not that important, right? So uh, <clears throat> we have no need to be guarded. And so sometimes when we look at the Old Testament, we say God really doesn't want to hang out with us. He's sending us all kinds of vibes like get away from me, right? And putting all these layers of don't come close. Oh, you can't come here. You don't have exclusive access. So definitely don't come past this far. But think about it. When you come to the front uh, flap of the tent where God met his people, you are greeted by a guy. He says, welcome. But his very next words is, where's the animal? Why is he asking, where's the animal? Because God's hungry? Why are you bringing an animal to the tent when you meet with God? A sacrifice because you are... Yeah, you're a sinner. You're dirty, right? So God says, come here, come here. And then you show up, and then the first thing he tells you is, no, you can't come in here. You're dirty. What do you have to offer? Something for your sins. But look what it says in Leviticus 1.3. Not only does God welcome you, he wants to meet with you. When you bring this sacrifice to God, you will be accepted before the Lord. So you're allowed in the front gate because you've brought a sacrifice. And immediately that animal's put on this altar <clears throat> and then it's burned up completely in smoke <laughs> up to God. And what does it say? That this is a what before God? Pleasing aroma. What is this telling us? <clears throat> we don't start from zero to 60 in terms of worship. God's already done something for us. You're not starting this conversation. It's not like it's Sunday, a sleepy Sunday morning. God's up there. 
And when we get out the guitars and the voices, he's like, oh, they're talking about me. Okay, I'm awake. Okay, I'm, I'm all ears. Okay, it's, I guess it's Sunday morning now. Uh, you woke me up. Okay, let's do this. Let's do this church thing. You know what? God says, I want to meet with you. He's already welcomed us into his presence, and he's already found us acceptable because of a sacrifice. And that's what we actually read. Look at how radical Hebrews 10 19 says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy what? Places. So everybody could be in the outer court when they brought their sacrifice. Some priests could go to the holy place. There's an incense uh, altar and there's also a table where the bread is. And this morning we're going to experience something awesome. Is we're going to eat at the table of the Lord. And only certain people were allowed to eat there. And only one guy once a year was able to go into the Holy of Holies where the Ark of the Covenant was. Only one guy could come. But do you hear what Hebrews is saying? We can come all the way in. We can come. And what is the manner in which we can come? Bent down, kissing the ground? What does it say? Yeah, we're brothers. It says also uh, with confidence. And now the curtain is not these curtains that say get out. The curtain is his body which has been torn apart saying come in. I'm the sacrifice. I've been burned up in God's wrath. I have been given up as an offering. So it says 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. So remember I told you I wanted you to think think about this for a second and let our hearts catch fire by thinking about where we're at. God's not just in His heaven and we're in this rented thing over here singing to Him and there's this huge distance. Think about how uh, the map of the world has changed because of Jesus. He's not up there, we're down here. We're actually all the way where? Through Jesus. Yeah, we don't have to stop. We just keep going. We keep going. And over the uh, Ark of the Tabernacle it was called the mercy seat, where the blood was applied and God, literally His glory rested on that place. And now glory rests on Jesus, and we're allowed to get close to it, and we don't die. Isn't that amazing? We come close to the glory. And we don't die. In fact, we become more alive. And when Moses got close to the glory, what happened to him? He was nuclear. Oh, Cooper? No, he didn't die. (laughs) But he glowed. The glory got on him. But Paul says in 2 Corinthians, that glory fades. But now we have an unfading glory as we look at Jesus. And we get to come all the way in. People line up on uh, Black Friday at the Apple Store or Best Buy, and they wait in super long lines. And what happens when people get in the door? Trample each other. Because yeah. <laughs> I'm in! And they've got fill in the blank, right? I'm in! Let's go get it. And then, so they're like fighting over the Wii or the Kinect or whatever, the hot thing or the iPads, you know. They're like, you know, throwing punches. We will do all kinds of crazy stuff when we have been given exclusive access to something awesome. 
So the question is, why do our hearts just go, when we have exclusive access to someone awesome, full of glory? So this is the problem with singing isn't, I don't like to sing, or the band isn't rocking enough, or my favorite worship leader isn't leading this week. It's because we haven't thought about, where am I? I'm in God's presence. I shouldn't be here. I should be dead. But I'm alive, and God says, come on, let's meet together. And so sing, starting to understand singing, you can't do that by starting with singing. You start with the gospel of Jesus, how he has brought, brought us near. Any questions about that? Or uh... And if your heart hasn't exploded yet, your brain hasn't exploded, rinse and repeat. Keep doing it. That's why we meet every Sunday. That's why we meet together in small groups. That's why we are doing gospel transformation together. So that this would just keep pressing into our minds and keep pressing down our hearts till our hearts explode in praise. Um, so you don't have to have a guitar. You don't even have to have a good voice. The way we begin to sing is to have an understanding of our awesome privilege and our awesome God and where we are. So you can draw a little picture of yourself. Holy of holies, you are here. And you're here because of Jesus. We shouldn't be here. We should be dead. But we're alive uh, because, because of Jesus. Any questions or comments about why do we start? Start there. Okay. Okay, flip over the page. We celebrate our access with song. Somebody read, uh, Jeff, read Psalm 65. Blessed is the one who chooses to bring near to dwell in close. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house that we lose in the We celebrate our access with song. That means we re- when we realize we're near because of God's mercy and we realize what he has done. There's also something interesting in this verse. <coughs> we shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house, the holiness of your temple. For whose benefit are we worshiping? For whose benefit are we drawing near? Kind of a trick question. According to this verse. For his glory our benefit. Okay, yeah, so it's kinda yes, you know, fifty So we're here. He doesn't really benefit from it. <laughs> okay, this is a really weird concept in worship that obviously we're tripping on. <clears throat> So here's God, here's us. And a lot of times we uh, use this word need. <clears throat> I need a new pen. I need a new pen. <laughs> okay, does God need anything? Here's God, he's like a quart loaf of happy juice or whatever uh, this fluid is. And then when we worship him, it goes full. <laughs> Every other god that's worshipped, you got to bring him stuff. Because why? 
make them happy. He needs to be fed. So we bring oranges and we bring animals. But what does God say? I own the cattle on a thousand hills. And if I was hungry, I'd just feed myself because it's my cows, my hills, my world. So I wouldn't call you and say, I'm a little low on cows, can you bring me some? That's not what worship is about. Worship is about his worth. <clears throat> but when we see his great worth and his great grace, we start to see something else happening. Is that we find that our greatest need is being met by God. We use the word glory for his solid, awesome existence. And our basic need as creatures that he made is to have God for his glory to be filling us up, to be satisfying us. Because every other kind of glory we're looking for, what happens? We have a sense of what? Whenever we buy something or do something awesome, eat a really good meal, what happens to the experience? It ends. It ends. And it, what did you say, Jeff? It goes away. Imagine the most awesome meal, like kind of like your bucket list, your, your ultimate restaurant, and you spend $10,000 on this, like the most exquisite sushi ever made by the sushi master of whatever place, with a bottle of whatever that's worth $6,000, with a dessert that's worth $5,000 with gold leaf, and a rare chocolate that was taken out of a tomb of the... Egyptian kings or something. You know, it's like, just think about that. Two things happen. You just ate this $10,000 meal that is worth dying for. What happens? Yeah, you go to the bathroom and you, and you wake up to eat cornflakes the next morning. You know what? Every other glory leaves us empty. And the glory that we were built for that fills us up is God's glory. It says we are filled what does it say? We shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house, the holiness of your temple. So you would say our greatest need isn't for love, it's for glory. Yeah. God is glorious in his holiness, he's glorious in his grace, he's glorious in his love, and so he's the source of everything that we need. And we've been living ever since the garden, auditioning other things. Are you my everything? Are you, are you my glory? Are you the lasting glory that I've been shopping for? Are you it? Are you it? And God says, I am it. And so, because we have access, and because He is it, that's why we begin to sing. How many of you feel like, when we were first dating, I was very undernourished, and I was uh, kind of like the eternal student, and I smelled like books and like a library and stuff? So uh, when we were first dating, most of our dates were at Burger King. And I would almost sing the Hallelujah Chorus every time I had a Whopper. You did, some of you do go, ah, you know, like a really awesome experience. I was doing that over a Whopper, <coughs> which is really twisted, um, uh, really underfed. I hadn't lived much, right? But here's something. Look at point three. We actually amplify our enjoyment with song. Or how many of you seen What About Bob? He eats dinner at uh, the doctor's house. The wife 
at their lake house. He's eating that corn. What does he do? He said it's like really good. Mmm. Mmm. It was so annoying. He's like, mmm. Mrs. M, is this hand trucked? He was like, mmm. Mm. What are we doing? It's not just enough to take it in and inside of us just go, that was good. Something has to come out of us. The experience is made complete and the glory is is enjoyed when it actually comes out of us in the form of a song. Because this, this is a great quote from uh, C.S. Lewis. Uh, Pastor Michael uh, sent me the link uh, to this quote. And, uh, let me read it to you. I had never noticed that all enjoyment spontaneously overflows into praise unless shyness or the fear of boring others is deliberately brought in to check it. The world rings with praise. Lovers praising their mistresses, readers their favorite poet, walkers praising the countryside, players praising their favorite game, praise of weather, wines, dishes, actors, motors, horses, colleges, countries, historical personages, children, flowers, mountains, rare stamps, rare beetles, even sometimes politicians or scholars, except where intolerably adverse circumstances interfere. Praise almost seems to be inner health made audible. Let me just stop there for a second. <clears throat> a lot of people think Christianity, especially our corner of Christianity, kind of reformed, evangelical, biblical, is that we're brainiacs. Is that we want people to read books all the time and think deep thoughts all the time and to be really quiet. Shh, it's a library. We're thinking deep thoughts here. Keep it quiet. If you want to be loud, go to one of those Pentecostal churches or something. Like, we're studying here. But people, when they are captured with the beauty of something, they don't shut up about it, do they? Now people don't sing about it, they tweet about it, right? I just had the best hamburger in the universe. You're like, who cares? But we have this urge to what? Effuse, sing praises about stuff. But the question is, we'll do it about our team. Go Bears, go Cal. Um, go Warriors, go, go whatever. Go Giants. Uh, World Series, baby. We're like just wearing our colors all the time. Why don't we want to do that with God? Sort of a rhetorical question, but is there an answer to that? They were ashamed. It's just kind of nerdy and offensive. So we're preoccupied with other glories, and so the, mo- the, the original glory, the most awesome glory, the permanent non-disappointing glory, kind of like doesn't elicit any kind of noise from us, no tweets uh, coming from us about how awesome he is. Because we just had something awesome. We just bought something awesome. We just went somewhere awesome. Our team just scored something awesome. But God, well, he's awesome, but he just kind of sits there. He's kind of up, up there. So we have all kinds of other glories uh, that, that feel pretty awesome. Going on, he says, I had not noticed either that just as men spontaneously praise whatever they value. Oh, there it is. We praise whatever we value. So our singing problem isn't a vocal cord problem or an accompaniment problem. A lot of times it's a value problem. Other things really have a lot of value to us. And God's value is so like 
unvaluable because like how can you measure it that it kind of doesn't register on our on our scale men spontaneously praise whatever they value that so that so they spontaneously urge us to join them in praising it isn't she lovely wasn't it glorious don't you think that magnificent the psalmists in telling everyone to praise God are doing what all men do when they speak of what they care about So this is why we don't start here. We start here by thinking about God's value. And if he doesn't re- if his value doesn't register with us, what do we need to do? Go back and think about his value. But also another way to do it, you would say, but I I could never come to church because I'd have to stay home and think about valuing him because I'm never ready because I haven't adequately thought. It's like well, that's okay. I mean, you've got six days to work on this. But when we come together on, on Sunday, when we're singing, we're actually singing about his value to each other. How many of you feel kind of like you're lying whenever you sing? When it says, you're my, you're my greatest desire. My only <laughs> desire is to worship you. Yeah, I feel like a liar. Like, no, it's about sixth on the list, right? Yeah. When you say about raising your Ebenezer, you forget what the word means. Yeah, yeah, it's like, i got to find my dictionary, right, you know. I can't worship, i got to bring my thesaurus, right? Um, but we're actually singing the truth uh, to each other. Um, Eric, can you read this uh, Nehemiah? Pastor, one just thought occurred to me about the Psalms yeah. and coming to the, to the uh, tabernacle on the way to the temple. Is that these Psalms are Psalms of Ascension that they would sing on the way there. Even before they got there, they were already singing on the road. It was traveling music, so yeah. So it's it's sort of the same way. If do we come in cold, we got it. Okay, now it's time to begin. Are we just joining everybody else who's already been singing along the way? We should be singing in our head, minds, and hearts on the road. I always hear Marsh coming in the church because it's like his car's thumping all the time. (laughs) (coughs) I always ask him, "What were you playing?" (laughs) So uh, Nehemiah twelve forty. Yeah, and that's a good point. Let's just camp on that for a second. Worship music is a way for us to get ready for worship. Our, our musical diet is, and I'm not saying exclusively uh, Christian music or stuff, but stuff that is beautiful and inspires awe, not just, that's catchy, it makes me move. You know, it's like, is my music causing me to think higher things and think about uh, more glorious uh, things? Um, and expanding my vocabulary, you know, and stuff like that. So, uh, <clears throat> am I expanding my ability to think about awesome things and beautiful things? And that's what Philippians four talks about. Whatever is true, whatever is lovely, whatever is pure. Let's think about that. Yeah. Um, I could also add. This might be somewhat tangential, but I think one of the big problems of our hearts being full is that um, worship on Sunday. The preparation began Saturday night. I think a lot of people kind of take Saturday night as um, a night to kind of maximize fun and stay up really late. But if you're going to experience something really wonderful, you want to go to sleep so you can you know, be re- ready and prepared and well rested. The, the fatigue robs you of joy. Because we have two competing kind of time uh, thoughts about time. Our culture says, weekend starts at 
4.30. Some people are like, well, it starts at 12 on Friday. You know, it's like, i got to get out of work so I can do the weekend. And then Saturday, and of course, in our culture, Sunday is part of weekend, right? So we're always like, okay, well, we got church, and then we got all Sunday to do all kinds of awesome stuff. In biblical uh, kind of time, Sunday is day one. So basically that's what Pastor Michael's saying is, if this is day one of my new week and it starts with God and his people, how can I back that up a little bit to get ready for day one to be awesome? You know, a great celebration with, with God's people. So I have energy and I'm awake and, and I'm ready to rock and roll with God's people. Well, I think you were saying we should come in if you're know, Yeah. So yeah, if we're feeling like we're coming in having to go zero to sixty at, at ten after eleven, let's preheat the oven. That's kind of what Michael's saying. Let's preheat the oven so we're ready to to be cooking for God's God's glory. So it's knowing our bodies and knowing our culture, and knowing ourselves, and knowing our weaknesses. Maybe we're gonna have to work our schedule a bit different so that we can make God's praise uh, glorious. So it obviously takes preparation. Uh, the singers and the players have to prepare. Pastor Michael has to prepare all week. He works really hard on uh, the sermons. The Sunday school teachers have to prepare. Guess who else has to prepare? The worshipers. We don't think about that, right? You're like, I just show up. And then when they tell me to do something, I do it. You know, it's like, well, no. We're part of, there's no choir here. Who's the choir? All of us. And so actually the worship leaders are our lead worshipers. They're not doing it for us. They're not doing it as a representative of us. They're actually leading us to to worship him. And so, Eric, read the passage. Okay. Uh, <coughs> Nehemiah 1240. So both choirs of those who gave thanks to the house of God, and I, and, and I, and half of the officials, and the priest, Aleichem, many Amin, Micaiah, Helen and Zechariah and Hananiah with trumpets and Sayak. And those guys. Yes, where's the dudes? Shemaiah is our Uzi. Now you picked me because. Yeah, this guy's had Hebrew and look how hard it is. I even practiced. And Josariah <laughs> as their leader. The, 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 the key is really to say the word is fast and humble. Yeah. And they offered great sacrifices that day and rejoiced, for God had made them rejoice with great joy. And the women and the children also rejoiced, and the joy of Jerusalem was heard far away. Good job, Eric. <coughs> this is stereo worship. They didn't have amplification, so literally they had half the people stand on one side and the other half, and they were bouncing off the walls singing God's praises. And uh, one scholar said they did this for two hours, and they sang four psalms, Psalm 112 to Psalm 116, and after every line, one side would say, Hallelujah! And then at the other side would say the next, sing the next line, and after each line they would sing Hallelujah. They did that for two hours. And while they were doing that, they were passing bowls of blood up to the altar to be splashed upon the altar. It's pretty gruesome, pretty loud, pretty like audio-visual. 
But but look at what was happening. They were singing at each other to God. And so some something has to happen when we sing with our mouths and our heart, but also with our ears. We're also listening to the truth. The truth is being sung to us by one another, and we're singing the truth to one another. So you might say, well, at church I have to do a lot of sitting. We have preachers and teachers, but the singers are also singing the truth of God's great glory to each other. And so we're listening and we're singing. And so if you come and you're not feeling it, you know what you should do? Listen to it. And let the truth seep in your heart and let it catch fire. And this is what Colossians 3, 16 and 17 says. It says, teach each other and encourage each other with all wisdom. And then without catching a breath, Paul says, and singing to one another psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. So actually we counsel each other by singing. Because we're singing the truth. And it's not just, and then the party of the first part and the party of the second part. Sometimes we think that scripture is just so dry and it's like so procedural. But actually most of the truth in, in the Bible is written in poetry. The whole book of Isaiah is a long song. Most of the book of Revelation are songs where you see angels and all of creation singing to God. Really, we can only get the gospel when we sing it. And we can only get the gospel when we sing it together. These aren't simultaneous solos next to each other. We are giving one voice to the one truth of God and we're singing it to each other so that our minds get it and so that our hearts get it and then we all get it together at the same time. And this is what we're seeing here, uh, Michael. Yeah. I, mean, I think um, for me, someone who is a little more book oriented and um, I'm not into singing as much, maybe because I'm not so good at it, uh, I think that's really profound, right? That we don't get the gospel until we sing the gospel, you know? And, just something that just connects the heart, the poetry, the, the imagery, the, the, the feeling of it. Um, <coughs> at least for me, someone who's like half dead inside, <laughs> yeah. I think it really it speaks to me. You know? I have the same tendency, so I'm like, I gotta tap this other part of me, my musician <laughs> get up somewhere inside. Yeah, it's like, I, someone's gotta move, you know? It's <laughs> like, uh, yeah. This, this made me think about the YouTube video I saw. Uh, so that everybody could grab a hold of it and carry God's word into their village. I mean, they put super long poles so everybody could say, we brought the Bible to our people, and it's in our language. God brought it to us. And the pastor's prayer was, 
We're like Simeon and Anna in the Old Testament that say, my eyes have seen God. God, we have seen you, and now you talk our language. And they did spontaneous dances and, and wrote spontaneous songs on the spot to give glory to God about this new thing that he had done. Well, let me just, with the last few minutes, I want us to think about <clears throat> the kind of songs we sing. And we met a worship team, uh, most of them uh, met a few weeks ago, to kind of talk about this. Because... Uh, some of the songs we do, for lack of a better word, need to be brainy. Because we need to hear about God, how awesome He is. So these are kind of, most of our hymns are saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, God in three persons, Blessed Trinity. You're like, well, that's a little deep. Well, it's like, well, we need to sing the deep stuff. And then there's also songs that say, that are first person. I love you. I want to worship you. Confessing, I don't worship you enough. So we have songs about God, but all of them are songs to God. And then some songs are just really confessional about, God, this is where I'm at. This is where I failed, and I want to seek you. We're trying in our worship to plan for all of those aspects that we're, we're hearing the truth. Because most of us maybe are like, I don't know what the right emotional response to this truth is. So I need to know the truth. Then I need to be given words and the ability to put uh, words to what my response to the truth uh, should be. So we, we want to look at God's character. We want to look at God's works. We call these kind of songs of redemption uh, about the cross and about his blood and about how the gospel works. And then there's our response songs, which is like, I believe the gospel, like the gospel song. Here's what he did. This is who he is. And this is what we think about it. And we just want to thank him. And so we need all of those, kind of a, a healthy diet, kind of the meat, vegetables, appetizer dessert we need to have a well-rounded diet in our singing so that it is doing all these things that we are doing this this and then last word i want to say is skills as as worship team we're working on our skills and even uh pastor michael and uh intern eric we all uh, meet once a month kind of go over the service how's it going how can we get better we want also you guys, as the worshipers, as the as the choir, to think about how can I grow in my skill. Some of it could be I want to come warmed up on Sunday morning, and so it's a heart skill. I want to be thinking about God during the week. I want it to be moving my heart. Then when I get to worship, I'm ready to sing because my heart's warmed up, and I'm with my voice. I'm going to sing uh, the joy that I have and the glory that God deserves, the honor that is due to Him. And so we can all work on this. Uh, together. So we're going to be addressing all these parts as uh, a church together, and we want to be increasingly growing in that skill, because it brings uh, glory to God. Any uh, final questions or uh, comments? <clears throat> right, let me just pray. And then we warm up our hearts and be ready uh, here in about 15 minutes to, to practice this. Father in heaven, we thank you that you brought us near through Jesus. We are not uh, going up in smoke because of our sins. Someone else did. Someone experienced the, your hot wrath and experienced uh, the judgment of hell in our place so that we could just rejoice in your presence. And so uh, when we sing this morning, those of us that have been here uh, in this class, we can begin not at zero, but we can begin to be amazed already at your work of uh, grace through Jesus and that because of the gospel 
the good news of the life, death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus, and he sent the Holy Spirit to fill his people uh, with his joy and his power for witness and for serving one another in love. We thank you that we are fully equipped to do every good work uh, to your glory. And so uh, as we come to do our work, as we come to do our liturgy, which is how the old Greek uh, language used to describe the work of the people, we come to take our work seriously, to sing to you, to offer praises to you. And we also are thankful for the blessings of being in your courts this morning as we celebrate for the first time as IGC uh, communion together. As we find that, God, you're not hungry, uh, but we are, and you want to fill us up with all good things, and you want to fill us up with glory and grace in Jesus. And so we come believing and ready to receive what you have for us, and then rejoice in it. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Can I make one more comment? Sure. Um, <clears throat> I was just thinking about the, um, the passage beside in Colossians, also in Ephesians, where we sing to each other. So songs are not just to God, but it's uh, to encourage each other. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things that really encourages me when I'm in worship service is when I can hear the people singing with gusto, with yeah. a loud voice. And I think for me, because I'm a little embarrassed about my poor quality singing, maybe I sing a little softly because I don't want people to see, you know, how out of tune I am. But I think that there's just something so beautiful when you forget yourself and you sing with, with as, as loud as you can and the whole people of God sing. Yeah, you guys were loud last week and it was even on a song that was pretty new to us, Oh Church Arise, and I was like, man, something caught fire in there. And I think it was the truth and it was just we had seen the baptism, we had seen what God was doing. And it's like, that turns into song. It, it like combusts, you know, and that's that's what we want in worship. Not just the goosebumps or awesome song. It's when people get it and they just can't help but blast it. And uh, so we're we're tiny, but we're loud. So uh, that God's doing something with us. So. Praise God.